So we conclude our discussions this morning with this gathering. And today, well, this is the week we've honored uh, Krishna and Ram. And in the context of honoring Krishna and Ram and the gift, if you will, of Krishna Leela and Brajabhakti, we also honored the giver in a form of the dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nitananda Prabhu. Balaram gives Krishna, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gives. Krishna, he gives us Nityananda Prabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave Krishna to anybody that wanted. It said Nityananda Prabhu gave to those who didn't want. So, Sridhar liked to say first the gift, uh, first the giver, then the gift. So, we should honor the, the giver. So, to extend that, we, because of course, where we come today, hmm? Today we honor the appearance of Obishnupad, J.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who is the giver of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nitananda Prabhu, thereby Krishna Leela, Ram and Krishna, Radha Krishna to the world to a large extent, the world over. And so the history of that. is uh, certainly worth reflecting on. And to assist us in that, we have gone here this morning with the first song we sang to a song that Prabhupada wrote, a poem really, that was later put into music by some of his disciples. And it's a poem that he wrote in his very private moments wrote it aboard the cargo ship, the Jaladuta, which he had somehow managed to get passage on um, from Bombay to New York, or to Boston, actually, in pursuit of his desire to fulfill the request of his guru to see that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching would go far and wide. <clears throat> and um, by the time he had gotten on that boat, the formal mission of his guru, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, which was a very powerful mission in India, he had 64 monasteries hmm, that he uh, erected out of, out of nothing, so to speak, and, and in an interesting way, too, because it had was done in such a way as to really bring educated and, and pious people to Gaudiya Vaishnavism, to bring, pe- bring people out of Gandhi's movement even, which was so powerful at the time, but an important but short-sighted in the long run. He wanted to liberate India from the British, and Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur wanted to liberate the British and the Indians <laughs> from British and Indian consciousness. So <laughs> that... Uh, 
uh, he had great power to to uh, to do that because the whole nation was swept up in in uh, Gandhi's noble pursuit, young educated men, women, and so forth. And Prabhupada was two of them, for example, Pujapad Bhakti Rakshak Sridhar Goswami Maharaj, our Sikhsha Guru, and Mr. Parisi Bhakti Vedanta Swami. Prabhupada they both caught up in Gandhi's movement, and men men of the men of the cloth, the, you know, wearing the khadi and resisting the milled cloth and so on and so forth. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsati Thakur's message captured their attention and many people. And this was at a time when Gaudiya Vaishnavism was about 500 years old in terms of its being uh, inaugurated by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Of course, it's an ancient idea embedded in the sacred texts and so forth. And uh, But... But he, as the avatar of Krishna for the age, brought it out in no uncertain way and started a great tidal wave of love of God. He actually predicted, said, My name will be heard in every town and village. This is 500 years ago in a village in India. <laughs> and... Um, so you can imagine after he left the world, his mission, his his devotees were forlorn and and um, for some time there was some disarray just due to the separation from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that his associates experienced. Sometime later, it uh, they got together again on the commemoration of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appearance and taking the Goswami Granthas, the sacred text that the Goswamis had written about him and his significance and demonstrating the um, how it spoke of the essence of all the sacred texts and so forth. Mission went on and, and, and whatnot, but the influence of time is such that, uh, that as the Gita says, that sometimes through the influence of time, the, the great teaching, the current, if you will, the divine current will be, uh, okay kids, Thank you. Um, can get uh, lost by the influence of time. This is really a, a play, if you will, because uh, Krishna's time, so, <laughs> so to speak, the hand of God. So by the hand of God, it, be, it kind of maybe fades into the woodwork of material nature, gets lost, gets misunderstood, and so forth. And then he says, I bring it back out again hmm, by my various representatives, I give them credit, I put them on the, in the forefront and so forth. And so he, he, he covers it over and he uncovers it. And this is to showcase his own kind, his own dear ones and so forth in the, in, in the world. Hmm? Who don't seek any self-acknowledgement, uh, recognition and so on. So he makes them known, he sheds, casts a light on them, if you will. And so, by the time of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, then the true understanding of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching, the proper understanding of the Srimad Bhagavatam was not very um, uh, well known. He himself, Thakur Bhaktivinoda, who was educated by uh, the, the British, so had a kind of a Western education and so forth, he was, um, he confessed to have a kind of a disdain for the Bhagavatam as he had understood it from others at the time. But when he eventually heard the understanding of the Bhagavatam in the light of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's person, 
and teaching and so forth. Then he's, he, he, he had um, an epiphany and he became a great follower of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, much to the amazement of many of the various religious movements of the time that were just, it was just the kind of the beginning of Hinduism's interfacing with the, with the modern world and the British criticism of Hinduism. And Hinduism was, was not very Victorian, you know. It wasn't uptight, in other words. Um, and that, um, that was not uh, appreciated by the, by the British. And they tried to color uh, Hinduism as being immoral in some respects, especially when the life of Krishna came up. They thought to just see you know, he's, he seems immoral, well, very superficial understanding, obviously, of the text and so forth. But some of the Hindu uh, pious people, morally stout people and so forth, were intimidated by the British uh, influence, and so, especially in in, in Bengal, amongst the they were called the Bhadralok, as kind of an educated, loose kind of think tank of pious people looking at themselves, their culture, their religious orientation in relation to the West and what they were understanding from the British, modern sensibilities and so on and so forth. And um, so some of so there were some some of them were some some of them were somewhat intimidated and and they modified their religious teaching. I think I mentioned it the other day, some of these different sects they they said, oh, the Bhagavad Purana, where the love life of Krishna is, is portrayed beautifully, they said that must be some interpolation. It must not be really one of the sacred texts. But Krishna and the Bhagavad Gita, where Krishna is very morally stout and he speaks like the Upanishadic wisdom and so forth, this is the real Krishna. They kind of had a, a Christian Krishna, hmm? <laughs> if you will. They kind of Christianized Krishna. But Bhakti Vinod didn't have anything to do with it. When he heard, since he heard the, the, the conception of Krishna through Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he had an epiphany, as I say. He's kind of like the first Western convert, although he's Indian-born and so forth, and, and he may not be a convert at all, but, uh, but I've always had this current within him, but nonetheless, it uh, could be portrayed as such, and we should get encouraged by that, hmm? that he was uh, very much a... Uh, influenced by the West, he studied the, the, the philosophers of the time and so forth, and from the West and uh, the thinkers, and um, Christianity and so forth, and Islam. And he was finally drawn, as I say, through the influence of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to, to Krishna, and became uh, a great uh, spokesperson for that. He's the one who first began this interface with Gaudi Vaishnavism per se with the West. He corresponded with Thoreau and Emerson, the American, first American transcendentalists, as they're called. Um, so he was in, in a, became a, re, a reviver, if you will, of the current of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Krishna Bhakti. And his disciple and son Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsati Thakur was asked by him to give shape to his idea, to form a, um, a kind of a uh, a, a, a missionary outreach that was, and you could see what I'm saying from one of the words I'm using, was the idea was drawn from the Christian missionary outreach in India. Something like this for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, hopefully not as fanatical. 
Um, but in some places it turned out like that, unfortunately. But anyway, um, uh, so Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur, he was doing this, and he was within, within India first, he was establishing a base, and he formed 64 monasteries. And as I say, educated people were coming. This is important because educated people were not coming to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission, he was very clear in his outreach that what he was talking about transcended the social religious system, commonly known as the caste system. It transcended that, that this, this was a very uh, a relative idea and in some ways it got in the way of the spiritual reality. Hmm? And so he, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, showed over and over again how his, what he taught overrode the the the, uh, the Varnashram system and so forth and uh, and uh, uh, the, uh, the the Krishna Bhakti has its own kind of parameters guidelines and so forth that if one embraces them then the rules and regulations of the Varnashram they don't apply to you and that's the whole purport of the conclusion of the Gita Sarva Dharman Pritya Dharma means here Marnashram Dharma. Just pass it over and take shelter of me. This is this, this is what it's all about. Mm, Sutta Goswami labored to make this point. Of course, the very onset of Bhagavatam when he began to speak. What did he say? Shramevi Kevalam Sabaya. Sabaya Pumsa Parodama. No, what is it? Tupumbi Dvijasheshta Varnashram Abhibhagasaha. These kind of verses, he said. The whole thing is accomplished by satisfying Hari. He's pleased by having his name sung, so the burden of the Dharma, Shastra, and so forth is lifted for such a person. He becomes an essential spiritual person rather than a religious person. So, at any rate, be because of this, this could also be misunderstood, and therefore people who were impious and morally not very, um, uh, they didn't have sound moral and ethical uh, behavior and so forth, they, could, they would be then looked down upon by the Hindu relig- social religious society, mm-hmm. and, and then they would just go and say, well, I'm a follower of Chaitanya, so... I have no caste, I have no good character, I'm a follower of Chaitanya. Which is fine, but then you should be a follower of Chaitanya and transcend. But to speak of the moral, you know, uh, an ethically sound life, that should be, if that's transcended, that, that would be in place also. That would be like a given. Hmm? I don't have to follow some law, in other words, to avoid something that's that's impious and... and, and, and um, and um, not ethically sound, I do it without thinking about it, in other words. Because it's not favorable to, to spiritual life and I've got a taste for something high or something like that. So anyway, obviously it, it lends itself to some abuse and so people would abuse the system and they would say, yes, I may be a low-class person in all respects and have bad behavior in every way, but I'll just call myself a follower of Chaitanya and then they would tweak the teachings of Chaitanya and all these different pseudo-Chaitanya sects that weren't really following the orthodox teaching cropped up and so Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur and Bhakti Vinod were working to kind of 
establish what is the actual current of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? This was the setting. Hmm? And then, as the base in India, if you will, was established with 64 monasteries and, 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 and monks, sannyasis, ordained by, by Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthitaka going and traveling and doing this kind of outreach in India to educated people and so forth. It was growing with some momentum and, and, and so on. When he passed from the world, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthitaka, there's a beautiful uh, video of the, of, the, of, the, of the train where they took his, uh, his, his body on the train to take it to, uh, to Mayapur to be in, placed in samadhi there. And uh, the, it was, you know, the word was rippling throughout Bengal and Orissa. The great Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur has, has left the world. I think he was like 64 years old, 68 years old. Uh, not, uh, not so old. Uh, and so, so there's a huge, huge new, new, if you see the, the, the video of the train, and in every station it would stop, and millions of people came out to pay tribute to the train that his, that his body was, was being carried in. You can understand, just from that, <laughs> you can understand what his influence was, how strongly he was preaching. And he had to preach against it, against it he had to critique, I should say, his own tradition. Hmm? Uh, for its ab- abuses, and so he he would he was very p- powerful in his um, outreach and his command of the of the teaching in an essential sense, and so uh, the the teaching was in in kind of in a, in a disarray, as I said, uh, and so he would be critiquing the, you know, his own tradition. That's not a way to create a lot of friends. Sometimes uh, you know you can get some enemies, but uh, but really, if you watch this video of that train ride, you get the feeling, like Srinivas wrote, about Six uh, Goswami, Dira, Dira, Janapriya, Priyakara. He was, the Dira and Adira, the, the, the sober people and the, the untamed people, the good people and the, and the rogues, all of them, Dira, Dira, Janapriya, Priyakara, found, uh, were in, in uh, endeared by him, by them and by him. So you get that feeling when it was all over, they had to say, we may have fought against him, but actually he was right. Hmm. Now he's gone. So millions of people in every train stop on the way. It's just very, very, very moving. Hmm. So then, after the passing of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, then his own mission became in some disarray, perhaps owing to Primarily, the, the, just their, the, his disciples' own loss, sense of loss, in his presence, the commander, so to speak, great general, um, hmm? and and so it, it, there was some disheartening uh, am- amongst them, and an inability for any number of reasons, and good reasons in many respects, um, to carry on it with the same kind of a powerful uh, unified force and so forth um, and so for uh, it, they splintered into different smaller sects and many of them um, did great uh, work made a great contribution in, in India to carry on the ideas of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasitakur and Bhakti Vinod Thakur 
But the Thakur, the Thakur, he wanted, as I say, this mission to go overseas. So he had built his Indian base, and it was quite strong before he left, and he had just started to kind of... He's speaking to the British in India, hmm? and there are pictures of him talking with the vice councillors and uh, this one and that one. and So he had some... Uh, yeah, some contact there, and then he sent a missionary to London. Hmm? England, of course, was ruling the world at the time. I mean, it was the biggest industrial military power in the world. And so, uh, you know, one missionary to London, and he went to Germany, and he came back, and I, another one I went, think, as well. And then, Bhaktisattva left the world, and the, the mission lost some enthusiasm and ability to um, to um, stay unified and splintered into different groups and they were good and powerful and pure under themselves but they didn't have the kind of collective power and force of their guru per se. Meanwhile one of the disciples of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsitakura, our Guru Maharaj, Swami Prabhupada, he was not directly involved in the mission as a monastic. He was a householder. He had a family and a wife and children and he became an initiated disciple of Bhaktisiddhanta but he lamented that he he didn't, because of his family situation, he couldn't get more fully involved in directly in the mission, the outreach. He would help other sannyasis um, to help facilitate them with organizing programs and uh, and some funding, little funding from his his small um, family enterprise, uh, his livelihood and so forth. Um, and uh, his all of his spare time and all of his spare or expendable disposable income was was spent on and with uh, the mission. Hmm? But household life is you know, it takes a toll, it takes some time, I should say, on us. And so, family concerns and raising children and so on. So he used to lament like that. Uh, he said he spent about two weeks total of personal time with Bhakti Siddhanta or a day here, a couple of days here, three days there, something like that. And so, uh, Saraswati Thakur said a few things to him and uh, just before his passing from the world, he wrote to him and said, Guru Maharaj, I have not been able to be directly in the mission and so on and so forth. Please, if you give me any uh, service, I would so much appreciate it. And Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasitaka wrote back to him and said, I think that if you can speak this teaching in English, that will be good for, for you and for the world. Hmm? And he made a suggestion like that. So... Uh, my Guru Maharaj used to say that my, my Guru ordered me to speak in English, to preach in English the mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He kind of like suggested it, so he took it like an order. And he didn't get thousands of instructions from the Guru that we take in, in one ear and out the other. He took like one instruction and he made his life out of that. This is called Guru Nishta. Vyavasatmika buddhirekeha Guru Nandana. So he exhibited some, 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 uh, what do you say, one-mindedness, um, samadhi on guru bhakya, uh, fixation on the words of the guru. And great Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasri Thakur, to say, passed from the world, 
Prabhupada tried to work with different of his god god brothers who were forming missions. He worked with a um, d- different number of them. Hmm? But he had this idea that I have to speak in English and to speak in English, he thought the full purport of that would be to speak in English-speaking countries because how many people are speaking English in India in, in 100, uh, well, it would have been what, uh, 60, maybe 60 years ago, 60 years, 70 years ago, hmm? not, not so many. Um, so he, I think and wisely, he understood that uh, speaking English, really, if I'm going to make this my life's mission, then I should be in English-speaking countries. Now, as I say, at the time of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur, England was the, the main power in the world. After he passed and the mission uh, split in different directions and so forth, then um, World War II came in the, what, 1939. It ended in, what, 46, 45, something like that. And so by this time, uh, Prabhupada was in the in the midst of leaving family life, and and as I say, st- starting to work with the different missions of his god brothers and trying to get that spirit back together and and uh, and, and, and so forth. And meanwhile, now America becomes the prominent country in the world after World War Two. Now it so happened that Bhakti Sarasri Thakur had said once that I wish that I could my life could be extended such that I could spend 10 years in America. This was when British was the main country and main influence in the world. So he had some insight, some visions before World War II, this is in the 30s, um, that America would become the prominent country in the world. And he had passed from the world seemingly without having that ambition fulfilled. Hmm? But this one student of his, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, he, in seeking to speak to English, English the, the teaching in English, to an English-speaking country, when now America had become the prominent country in the world in, a, in the mid-40s hmm, and 50s, he tried to get passage to America. Hmm. Of course, the story goes on and we'll go through it, but uh, he did obviously get to America, Hmm? And he lived 12 years, 12 years he toured in America. Sridhar Maharaj, our Pujapachita Maharaj, Siksha Guru, he reflected, he said that when Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur I wanted, said I wanted 10 years, my life extended to have 10 years in America, he said, I think that in Swami Prabhupada, he got 10 years plus 2. <laughs> 12 years, that he lived inside of his mission. This is like it said, that the father is born again as the son. So, in his son, spiritual son, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, he got that life extension to uh, canvas in the Americas. Hmm? And it took hold, as you can see. It took hold. But it was a daunting idea. It was very difficult for him to get to America. You can't just get a, a visa as an Indian citizen to go to America. You know, it's a third world country and people think you want to come here and then you're going to work here and 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 it's very difficult to even get a even get a passport for an Indian in those days. Well to speak of getting a visa. He got his passport and he he needed some support to get a visa. He needed money to 
to go to America and so forth. And he was 70 years old at this time, hmm? living in Brindaban, homeless. By this time, he was had taken sannyas from one of his godbrothers, Pujapad Sri uh, Bhakti Pragyan Keshav Maharaj, and um, and he was trying, basically trying to get to America. It's like every Indian boy wanted to go to America, you know, because the streets are paved with gold and you can make a lot of money there. So he wanted to go to America, but he had a different idea <laughs> altogether. And he used to go to the tea shops in Delhi. He printed a magazine called Back to Godhead in English. He tried to sell it to educated people who were sitting in the tea shops and talking politics, because India had become a nation now with the... Uh, the, the British leaving under Gandhi and Nehru and so forth. So it, a, so it was a new nation unto itself, and so politics was the big topic in the intellectual circle. So he would go there and distribute his magazine back to God. He could barely get, had enough money to live in whatever he got. Uh, he would eat one meal a day. He had one piece of cloth, hmm? bathe it, wash it at night, hang it up, sleep, morning take. Whatever money he got, he would print his magazine, and he used to borrow. He got the. He, he was so compelling in his ambition to make this teaching available that he would convince the printer to print, and I'll pay you later. And he said, "But you don't have any money." He says, "Yes, but anyway." <laughs> you know, so, and the printer would print, and you know he wasn't wealthy. He'd go into debt printing the Matagadhat magazine. Prabhupada couldn't pay him back, and and he had to take the train from Delhi to. Hmm, you know, the Radharani Express from Brindaban to Delhi. And uh, it was a very touching time. He was so impoverished and so dependent. And finally he went to a, uh, a pious lady, uh, Sumati Muraji, who was in the Balabasambradaya, it's another, another uh, Vaishnava lineage. She was wealthy and she owned a, um, what do you call it? A cargo shipping lines, right. And so he went and asked her for passage on one of her cargo boats to America, and she said, no way, you're old Swami, you know, you could die along the way, you should retire in Vrindavan. This is a safe place for sadhus. Everything's all conducive for, for, for a spiritual life. You can, you can uh, be fed there, there's a system for feeding the sadhus, you die in Vrindavan and your life is perfect. Hmm? This is no time to be going to America. He said, well, I'm going, so please give me a pass. She said, no. So then he sat on her property, on her lawn or whatever. She was wealthy. And he just sat there and chanted Hare Krishna, and he wouldn't go away. Hmm? I don't know how long he sat there. It was for quite some time. And so then she would send somebody, try to convince him to give up his ambition. He just he refused. Finally, she all right, bring him here and uh, let's talk about it. And I, said, I do have one cargo ship that's going, and, uh, you know, I don't recommend it, but... So he got the passage on a cargo ship. He left from Bombay, I think, what, what was it? On Baladev Purnim? On the Purnim of, of Balaram, which we started our festival with last Saturday. He disembarked from India. On the, the ship was called the Jala Dutta. Hmm? Jala means... Water, water dutta. Dutta means like messenger, like you know, like a you carry the message. So the message was carried, car, it was carrying cargo across the water. And in this instance, it had some very special cargo <laughs> on board. 
Prabhupada in a couple of his uh, volumes of the Bhagavatam that he had translated and commented on hmm, in a chest, that's what he bought, brought with him, basically a chest of books. He thought he was living in the book, living on the book, uh, and so forth. So at any rate, passage on the boat was not um, very comfortable, and he got quite sick on the boat. He had a heart attack on the boat. Hmm? And he kept a diary there. It was very, very difficult for, for him at that age, and he had a heart attack, and he didn't know if he would make it to the other side. And he said he was living on the reading of Chaitanya, the nectar of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, the Leela of Chaitanya. He was absorbed in these Leelas, and this was, his, this was keeping him alive. And at one point he wrote this poem that we sang, so as I, as I said to you when I began, this was written in a very private moments. This is not something I can write a poem and an article that will be published and so forth. And if we read it, we'll see the intimate uh, nature of it. He's speaking about his inner ambition. It's a prayer to Krishna. He wrote a poem, Prayer to Krishna. Hmm? And uh, he glorifies him in a very peculiar and interesting way, very charming way. And and then he um, states his own position. Hmm? This is the way of making prayers. You glorify the Godhead. You add, you state your own position, then you make a request. Hmm? So he glorifies. He states his own uh, position, and 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 he makes a request. And the request is based on what he considered was his guru's order to him to speak about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in, in the English language. And so he makes a request for the power to be able to do that. Just to get across the ocean is one thing, but when you get there, then what? Hmm? This is, you know, someone who never spent, never saw snow before, and Vrindavan is the hottest place in the world, according to Ripley's, whatever it is, believe it or not, or Guinness Record, Book of Record, hottest place in the world, right on the border of the Rajasthan Desert. He's coming to New York in what turned out to be, I think it was, what, 1965? one of the coldest winters in the history of, uh, of New York. And um, when he got off the boat in Boston, he said, I didn't know whether to turn left or right. He turned left and went to New York <laughs> there. And, and it's a long story from there, of course. He was living in a, as a homeless person in the Bowery and, and so on. And he would go to the park and chant. And hippies came and found it interesting. And he spoke to them in English. And here we are. But... He had to get here first. That was, an, that was an, he needed power for that, obviously, to, to sort all that out and understand the American mindset. And of course, he didn't eat. He didn't. He's a vegetarian, and you know. And so, what he's going to eat there? He didn't know what he would eat. He didn't know if there would be anything edible. He had no idea what America was really like. When he used to go to the tea shops, he would find Jehovah's Witnesses tracts. You know, the little things they print there, that kind of thing. He would read them, and he gets some idea what America was like, you know. <laughs> or they're like this. They think like that. Hmm. Okay. And uh, this way, he he was very preoccupied with going to America, but not with the idea of taking anything, hmm? but forgiving something hmm? substantial there. So he needed great uh, power to, and he was alone, absolutely alone. And seventy years old, and he already experienced heart attack. Well, he wasn't in the best of health. Hmm? So. He made this earnest prayer, and this is this is the whole essence of the whole his whole mission. Hmm? People can talk about it in different ways, but it all really comes from from right here. This prayer is what made this mission happen. Hmm? 
So if you want to understand him as a giver, as I say, we've talked about the gift of Krishna Bhakti, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's gift, but the gift of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? We can say Nityananda gave Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he began the Gaudiya Sampradaya with his bold uh, assertion, Bhajagoranga, Kahagoranga, Lahagoranga, Ernamore. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told him, chant Krishna Nam, give the teachings of Krishna. He said, forget it. We're going to chant Kornam, Chaitanya Nam, and give Chaitanya's teaching. We're going to teach about him. We're going to glorify him. This started Gaudiya Vaishnava. So he's the giver, and then Prabhupada is the giver of Nityananda Prabhu, who, as we'll see, came within him hmm? to empower him and give him the Shakti hmm? to do this kind of work. Now see how he got it. It's very nice. Hmm? In this poem we find two things, basically. Two sides of what should be our spiritual life. A side where there is submission, a kind of a, a acknowledgement of our weakness, our necessity, our dependent, we're dependent entities, and we're getting beaten up by the material nature, life after life after life. And even if we think we won, we die, <laughs> and back in the ring to get punched around again. So uh, we're all punch drunk, and um, this is somebody has to come to this kind of like I'm a little materially exhausted. I need another way of life to enter into real spiritual practice. So. Um, when we do that, there's a, there's a kind of a submissive attitude, like, I need help, I've got, I'm in a really teachable moment, and, and the guru appears and teaches us and helps us and so forth. And so in sadhana, spiritual life and practice, there's a cultivation of submission. We call it sharanagati. Krishna spoke of it in the Gita at the end. Sarodharman prityajamami ekam sharanam braja. So to, to uh, submission, the diksha mantras are for submission, for sharanagati. And when that is in place, that foundation, hmm? then we enter into bhava bhakti or bhakti and ecstasy. And the characteristic, while the characteristic of sadhana bhakti is submission, the characteristic of bhava bhakti is longing, lolasa, longing for a, for a refined and specific spiritual ambition. First, my ambition is just to get a spiritual foundation, to get some standing in the whole thing to draw back from the worldliness and its influence and get that out of my heart and so forth. So I'm building a stage, so to speak, on which the drama of Krishna Bhakti, Krishna Leela, will be performed. Hmm? And then as it starts to come in my heart, then I long to participate in a, in a particular way. So I said, Gaudi Western is very particular, very specific hmm? in its focus. And so... In Bhava Bhakti, in Bhava, Bhava in Bhakti and Ecstasy, this is characterized by this kind of longing. Bhakti Siddhanta used to say, say, first deserve, then desire. It means first do this, this Sharanagati, then do the longing. Because hmm? if you come into the mall and you want to go to Suite 108 at the top and you look at the map and it says, here's Suite 108 right up here. You go up three escalators and ten flights of stairs and you're there. But it also says, Here's your destination, and here's where, and you are here. Hmm? So we have to have both things in place. We can't just think, that's my destination. I want to go there and imagine my way there. Hmm? We have to know as much where we want to go, at least in the, the general idea, Vrindavan Bhakti, Sakya Rasa, Madhurya Rasa. Hmm? And then we have to know where we are. 
and then we have to know what steps would be necessary to take to go there. So we take our step here, and our eyes are there. Hmm? We look there, and then we look here. We take a step, and we look there, and like this. Hmm? We don't have our eyes there in a way that we're just falling over our feet and tripping, and we're not going anywhere. We ended up out the door of the mall. We ended up going backwards because our eyes are there, and we're not, and our feet are. Not, we don't even have one foot on the ground. Uh, so, so these both of these stages, if you will, are showcased beautifully in this prayer. Hmm? Uh, first the sharanagati, then the longing. Hmm? So let me let me let me go go through it um, with you. Um, what uh, he says, he he talks to Krishna. He says, Krishna, tabo punya. Hobe bhai, e punya koribe, jabe radharani kushi hobe. Druva ati boli tomatai. So he's talking to Krishna and he says, My dear friend, bhai. Bhai means brother. It's like, hey brother, how's it going? Buddy, uh, buddy comrade, chum. This is how Krishna's friends you know, think of one another. Bhai. So he says, My dear buddy. He said, Listen, buddy, I'll tell you something. Hmm? The relationship in, in, uh, between Krishna's friends is one of, of equality. Sometimes they serve Krishna, sometimes Krishna serves them. Hmm? <laughs> a, sense, a sense of e- e- equality, this vishramba, vishramba. It means this is the pradam uh, uh, of uh, this, uh, the basis of sakirasa, sense of equality. They're losing sight of Krishna's God, kind of. So he goes in and out of that here. But here he says, so, my dear friend, Krishna, I want to tell you something, he says, that here is some moral advice for you. There are certain friends of Krishna who give him moral advice. These are the ones who who are involved in his romantic affairs, assisting him in his romantic affairs. So they advise him how he might get the pleasure of Radharani and, and they also advise Radharani what she might do and if Krishna is present uh, then he'll uh, take the side of uh, uh, Krishna if, 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 if only if Radha then he'll take the side of Radha that kind of cowherd so he's uh, they're, they're very good at giving expert uh, uh, counsel to Krishna along these lines so he says this is what he's doing here he says my dear friend Krishna uh, he says, "Druva ati bolitomatai." Druva is the pole star. Druva is said to be like fixed position; doesn't move. So he uses this example. He says, "Just like the pole star is fixed, I want to tell you some moral principle or, or truth about piety hmm, with regard to your life. It's a fixed conclusion; it will never change. That if Radharani is pleased with you, then your life will be blessed." This is how your life's going to be successful. If you can get Radharani's satisfaction, if you can please her, then you're 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 religious in the full sense of the term, sir. You've 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 done your dharma, he says. Of course this is a very central idea to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Nobody pleases Krishna like Radha, so if you can please Radha, how much Krishna will be pleased with you? So we have the indirect approach. Jai Radhe, we try to please Radha. Krishna will automatically be pleased. Hmm? So, um, so he's reasoning like this with Krishna. 
So I think it'd be good for you if, Rod, if you please Rod Arani. So Chris says, yeah, okay, that, I can I'll go with that. How do I do it? You can hear him. So how will I do it? She's not letting me come over. Hmm? She's now jealous of me because I was with Chandravali and uh, other gopis, and now she's upset with me. She won't even speak to me. How am I going to get over there? This is called in the Leela, of course. Chandravali is another aspect of Radha who creates jealousy in the Leela and so forth. And, and so on. So he's, he's in a, you can imagine, he's in a fix here. And she says, great, okay, how, how do I go about it? Well, here's, a, here's the idea, he says. He, in, and he introduces his guru into the equation, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. He says, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, my, my guru, he's uh, very dear to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and Sachinandan um, Gaur, uh, and uh, he, his service is unparalleled in the world, and so forth. Uh, and um, he gives devotion to Krishna, he wants to give he gives to Krishna, devotion to Krishna in different parts of the world, and um, he 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 wanted to see it spread in in the Western world and so forth. And this is externally what he's saying. Internally, of course, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur is in the, the he's a made handmaiden in the leela of of Radha, hmm? handmaiden assistant of Radha. So he says that my guru Nayanamani Manjari known in this world as Bhakti Siddhanta, the great teacher of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's um, precepts and so forth. He's in Radharani's camp, and he likes to, wants to see this go around the world, this ideas of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? I'm his student. Hmm? And so, well, well, basically, he says, so what I'm asking you is that if you give me the power... Hmm, to do his bidding, then, because he's in Radha's camp, Radharani will be pleased with you and your life will be successful. Hmm? So this is the way he negotiated with Krishna. This is in the private, you can understand. This is the private bhajan. Hmm? And so, uh, it's pretty pretty tricky, hmm? he said. i got an important mission here. I've got to please my guru. We should pray like this to Krishna. You please help me to... Assist my Guru Dave. Hmm? This is Guru Bhakti. Call on Krishna. Please help me to assist my Guru in his his mission. That will be good for me. That will be good for Krishna consciousness and so forth. So he prays like this very intimately. This is a private prayer. If you give me the power to fulfill my Guru's order, and he, he describes it here, to preach in the Western countries, how will I do it and so forth. I need your power. Hmm? Then your life will be blessed, uh, and so, so that, of course he did it. Obviously, Krishna was is moved by this kind of prayer, and in no uncertain terms, he gave him the power. In the estimation of Pujapada Maharaj, he said, on the boat he so emptied himself out, and he made his prayer there. Hmm? And in my estimation, that Krishna sent Balaram, Nityanandaram to within him, so that the, the avesha of Nityananda to empower him for his work. Mm. And then he described that how the work of Nityananda Prabhu in Bengal, there was a parallel between that and the mission of, of Prabhupada in the West and, and so forth. Very beautifully um, demonstrated that, that correspondence. And he said, in this way, the prayer was successful. He got the power and so forth. So Prabhupada, after submitting like this in Saranagati in complete you know, humility and so forth. 
saying, I, emptying himself out of you. I have no other ambition. This is my only ambition. I'm living only for this. I'm on this boat in the ocean. If you want to kill me, it's fine, but hmm, take my life, whatever, but this is what I'm doing. Hmm? So Prabhupada obviously gave an extension to his life and gave him great power. When he came back to India, first time with some disciples, Sridhar said, I will, he was like, like empowered. Hmm? So he knew him in a different, you know, setting. And then he came back and he thought, he put all these things together. He, he, he spoke, spoke about this after that to us, after the passing of Prabhupada, his own reflections on that. Hmm? His reflections on this prayer and so forth. See how he thought about his God, Brother Prabhupada, and analyzed him. And, hmm? and, uh, and what a valuable person he was then, after Prabhupada's passing, for us to get guidance from. How well he knew him. Hmm? He had sorted all this out. And all the thousands of Prabhupada's disciples had it. This is just a prayer that Prabhupada wrote, you know. Hmm? wasn't taken very... It's really the key to his whole su success. And he shows the way here for our own spiritual success. So, anyway, after that, now he goes to the longing side. Right? He shows the submission, hmm? and then he shows his longing. That if, if I can be successful in fulfilling the ambition of my Guru Maharaj to preach in the English and the Western world and so forth, then I have another ambition. Hmm? My ambition is to be submissive and to get your help in that. And if I can be successful in that, I have another mission, another ambition. He says, he starts, to, in several verses, he starts to build that up. And the key verse there comes, he says, It almost sounds like what it is. The Bengali is such a sweet language. Hmm? So he says, he says that, hmm. Oh dear friend, Krishna, Tomara Milane Bhai, again the word Bhai, Tomara Milane Bhai, I will experience great joy hmm, if I can meet with you. Hmm? union with you and I will wander uh, actually the translation is a little inaccurate here this is early morning we sit in the proper translation I will wander throughout the day with you hmm? herding cows basically is what he's saying hmm? throughout the various forests and pastures of Vrindavan running frolicking rolling over on the ground in playful Pranks and, uh, and, and, and that are typical of Sakyarasa, the boyhood friendly relationship with Krishna. Hmm? Uh, this is, he says, Sadin Kabihabimur, when he's longing now, when will that day be mine? When I enter into your cowherding leelas with your eternal friends and associates and spend all day in the forests of Vrindavan and playful sports and so forth. This is like a this is like a huge statement. Prabhupada is bearing his heart here in private, but we but it's been made public as it should, as it should. Hmm? This is meant to be made public, as Rupa Goswami's private moments are made public, as everybody after they're gone, at least it's made public and celebrated to say just who was this person. Hmm? It doesn't mean we. Some people say if you say that, it means you lose respect. You get prying into his private affairs. No, this gives us so much respect. Hmm? 
so much regard. We are so much awed by this. Hmm? This was his ambition, and, and, he, and, and he, he had a refined idea of exactly how he, he wanted his, his life would play out in the Paravion, hmm? in the Brajlila. Hmm? And on the boat, he's, he's cultivating this. Hmm? Hmm. So, so, uh, it's, it gives us so much regard. And this is the history in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. If you get any inkling about that, that's something you want to showcase. Because it means most of the devotees, they may not even have an aspiration. <laughs> what to speak of having attained it? Huh? Even to have an aspiration, like in having done the submission. Hmm? We can see the measure of a submission. We can understand this aspiration has currency. Hmm? This, is, this is bhakti and ecstasy here. Hmm? This is what it means to have Krishna Shakti. Krishna Shakti bininahi, tar pravartan. It said, you cannot, without Krishna Shakti, you cannot effectively do the sankirtan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, of, 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 of Krishna Nam. Successfully means in such a way as to influence and change the hearts of others. You can't do it. It's a statement of Balaba in Chaitanya Charitamrita, glorifying Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He said, I can see who you are because I can see that you have Krishna Shakti. And, and you, the power you have to influence people and change their hearts by your Sankirtan means that means you have Shakti. So what is that Shakti then? Hmm? Rupa Goswami tells us, Sudha Sattva Visheshatma Prema Suryang Susamyavak With the ingress of Bhava, this Sudha Sattva Ladini and Sambit, Visheshatma. The Sudasattva means Sandini Shakti, and the platform of eternal, purified, pure existence, and a particular combination, a particular kind of knowing, and a particular kind of corresponding ecstasy. Sambit, Ladini. And it means a certain kind of loving relationship with Krishna. I know Krishna as my friend, and, my, and the Ladini of that comes up to, if it's Priyanarmasak, up to Mahabhav. Hmm? Sneha man pranai, pranai prem, it goes different for sakha. Pranai, pranai prem, sneha, raguna rag bhav mahabhav. These are all developed. This is the particular of the haladini, based on a certain kind of sambit, certain kind of knowing, knowing myself as Krishna's friend in this case, friend of Krishna. So, this is the shakti then that gives one the power to be really effective. And he was, he was so effective. I mean, Prabhupada sat with a car tolls and a little drum in Tompkins Square Park, chanting the name, faith in the name. And, and eventually, whole temples and ashrams opened in cities where he never went. Like in Vancouver, Canada. He never went to Vancouver, Canada. There were 300 devotees there, chanting every day and doing all like we do here. Huge, huge temple. He never even went there. Countries he never went to. Some Latin American countries. He never he went to Central America once, he went toured to there. After temples had already been opened and people were chanting. It is said that if a Vaishnava you can tell the character of a Vaishnava if 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 by seeing them it causes you to chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. First time I saw a prophet, I just went Krishna, Krishna. Tears fell out of my eyes and my hair stood on end. Hmm seeing him in Los Angeles. And I, he looked at me, you know, he had, had those eyes of benediction. Hmm? This is like Rohini, Prabhupada's born under the same star as Krishna. His birthday obviously is the day after Krishna's. 
Ramuni means also, it, it speaks about um, the, the most prominent characteristic in a person born under that constellation will be their eyes. Hmm? So, Krishna has beautiful eyes, lotus eyes, gives a sidelong glance, and so forth. But if you study Prabhupada's physical characteristics, the most prominent thing about him was his glance. He had what Baladev Bijibhushan calls a, a, the power to benedict by glancing. Hmm? If he would look at you and really look at you, hmm? You could just feel him looking through you, through you, and it, you were made, made naked. There was nothing hiding, hmm? and you know all the things you want to hide. It was like he could see it all, and he could see all that you could possibly be at the same time. It's just this wonderful thing of feeling so unworthy and so of, uh, that I have so much potential at the same time. I feel like I have. I, I'm so unqualified, yet I have such potential. Both think contradictory things at the same time. Hmm? He had this kind of power. This was the most. It was like magnetic. Like he would look, and he would just. He would. He couldn't. I was fortunate when I first met him. He, you know, he didn't. He was very controlled, also. So wherever he looked, you, you felt like, huh, like all that power of self-control and so forth. All of. Wherever he cast his his glance, hmm? so anyway, I I was fortunate, and that that day he he took, looked like kind of long, like you know, ten fifteen seconds pause. It was in the middle of the Los Angeles airport, and there were hundreds of us, and I'm sure some others got that glance too. But but I was very uh, young <coughs> and enthusiastic, and I had asked if I could give Prabhupada a garland. I hadn't been initiated, but I was kind of known for my for my service. No, I had been initiated. Had I been initiated? No, I hadn't been initiated when he first came. Right, and he initiated me. Anyway, I got to give a garland, and he gave me, before I got there, and anyway, he gave me the glance. And then I felt like, hmm, my old friend, I, I mean, he, he's come for me, to bring me, to collect me up, like a long-lost friend. He looked at me like, yes, so powerful, hmm? and not only if you saw him would people ch start chanting, but if people saw his disciples in some foreign country chanting, they would start chanting. Kamal hmm? Krishnamarsh, my godbrother, told me a story of his parents. His parents went. They say they complain to him. You know, wherever we go, people are. You know, every airport we go through, people are trying to sell us a book about Krishna, or you know, or any street, any town we go. I guess they were retired and they were going on, you know, world tour type mode. You know, like people do sometimes. They, they complain to him. Wherever we go, your people are chanting Hare Krishna. We can't get away from them. You know, they told him that. So then they took a vacation one year to the Amazon. You know, I don't know. Brazil or something like that, the Amazon. You know, you get some kayak or something or canoe boat down the and they were going down and they were and they, and they told him this and he told me this they were going and said, Well, at least we're not gonna find any Hare Krishna's down here, you know. And they got and they, they pulled up to this remote dock and there a guy says, Hare Krishna <laughs> They were chanting or something. They, they just blew their minds, you know. They told their son that. We went to the Amazon and there they were, they're everywhere. There was this basketball team, still there, the yeah. Chicago Bulls. And they used to come to Chicago airport, you know, regularly, gone, uh, coming back or going out. 
And so we would be selling Prabhupada's books there. And we were pretty um, persuasive and we didn't let anybody get by if we, if, you know, it's a lot of people. There was a few of us out there. We, so they came through the airport and every time they'd get talked, you know, and, they, and then so they, they kind of got amused by got talked to, they got amused by it. Then they realized every time we come through, every one of us gets talked to. Hmm? And so then they tried to avoid getting talked to. They were kind of having fun with it, and they couldn't. So then they named one of their defenses the Hare Krishna defense. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Nobody can get through. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> so he opened the highway to Goloka, Prabhupada, really. A, a, a four-lane highway to Goloka. Hmm? Yeah. And um, great power for... This is the power, the extent to which... He was empowered in, char, sar, uh, in, in Charanagati, pa- empowered in, by Nityananda Prabhu. And the, and the extent to which, therefore, we can understand his longing was not idle, it was accurate, it was, it, it was really speaking about himself. He's really speaking about himself. Hmm? Hmm. And so, uh, th- this, this is where the whole thing comes from. From a person who has that kind of standing in the higher world, and shows that kind of longing and so forth. Now, it's beautiful and it's pretty pretty clear and of course it's supported this conclusion by Puja Patrita Marsha, Omishnapadji Bhakti Pramapuri Goswami Maharaj. I read this poem to him. He also said when this verse came he said he lit up, he said, Ah, Sakyarasa. Yes. Uh, and he was very um, moved by that. I had some discussions with him about that at that time. And one of the things I said to uh, Srila uh, Puri Maharaj was that some people say that 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 if you say that Prabhupada is in the Sakirasa, then and you are his disciple and you want Madhurya Rasa, like the romantic love of Krishna, then that then that's a problem and you'll have to go somewhere else. I said some people are saying that. I wanted to see what he would say. I personally didn't have any doubts about it, but um he laughed. He said, he said, Baba, he said, if you've got a guru situated in Sakurasa and you think you've got a problem, you've got a problem. <laughs> he said, hard to find a guru like that who has a standing anywhere. Let us speak of their real standing, he said. <laughs> he laughed at that kind of, dismissed that kind of idea as just kind of uh, real, really foolishness. But some people... Uh, think thought like that, and they think like that. It's a, it's an it illustrates the extent to which these things need to be talked about, really, hmm? so they can be cleared up and properly understood. And one of the ways, and I'll conclude with this, in which people make uh, an argument, despite there's a we we published a book uh, that Babru authored uh, uh, called "Oh My Friend." You can find it online. It's a very beautiful book, and it puts together all of the the many numerous things that Prabhupada said uh, that uh, are clear indications of his sentiment for Sakurasa. Have you read it? It's a very nice book. Um, it's very well done, and um, it, it, it cites all the incidents, and it, it thinks about them a little bit. We call that Shastra Yukti. It thinks about Shastra Yukti. thinks about that and what the implications are and so forth. Have you read it? Very nice book. <laughs> so highly recommended. Oh, My Friend, it's called. I think it's at cowdust.us. Cowdust.us. Cowdust. Cowdust. Also, so, swamitripura.com. Swamitripura.com. You can find it there. 
<laughs> I'll be there too. <laughs> so one of the things I said was Prabhupada always sang this song, Jai Radha Madhava. We sang that song this morning too. Jai Radha Madhava Kunjubi Hari. Therefore, he must be in Madhuri Rasa. Of course, it ignores all this, so much evidence to the contrary. It's just one, one item. So, um, it's not a good argument. And so I'll read to you here, and we'll speak briefly about it. Prabhupada's own commentary on Jairada Madhava. Hmm? Mm. This is a, he said this, he spoke this in, uh, I think, New York in uh, 1971, quite some time ago after, after singing the song. Hmm? He says, so of course the verse is not about, exclusively about Madhurya Rasa at all. It says, Jairada Madhava Kunjo Bihari. So, glories to Radha and Madhava who are residing in the secret uh, forest um, bower, rendez- place of rendezvous. It speaks about the private love affair of Radha and Krishna. Uh, Gopi Janabalava Giri Bharadhari. He's, uh, he, he's, he's the Gopi Janabalava. He's the lover of the gopis. He lifts the Govardhan hill. Samaishvarya comes in here. So, to, probably used to talk about this song like that sometime. He's Gopi Janabala, but he's hmm, Kunja Bihari, but he's lifting Govardhan Hill. So put it in perspective. This is his Aishvarya. This is Madhurya, who has that kind of Aishvarya, that Madhurya must not be ordinary. It's not an ordinary love affair, so on and so forth. Um, it, then it goes on. Jashodanandana. Uh, hmm? Brajajanaranjana, Jashodananda, this is Vatsalya Rasa. Hmm? You're the son of Yashoda, the joy of Yashoda. Yashodanandana. Brajajanaranjana. And all the people of Vrindavan, means Sakirasa, Dasirasa, Jamuna Tiravanachari. He sports along the banks of the Jamuna and so forth. It's, it's not exclusively about Madhurya Rasa at all. That's point number one. It, it showcases all the various Rasas of Braja, Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, and Madhurya in a general way. And of course, Madhurya cannot stand there, the love affair of Radha and Krishna cannot stand, which is the hero and the heroine, without the, the what do they call them? The supporting, supporting cast members and, and so on. Hmm? If there was like the Academy Awards for Best Actor and Best Actor would be Radha and Krishna, the Best Supporting Actor would be Subal, <laughs> 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 Krishna's uh, friend. So, <laughs> So all these are required. Mm. It's a composite, right? Mm. So anyway, Prabhupada says, uh, so it's not per- specifically about Madhurya Rasa, number one. And we'll see how Prabhupada takes it. He says, so this is the original nature of Krishna. original nature of Krishna is he is Radha Madhava. Mm. He is Radha and Krishna. And uh, he is the lover of Radharani and Kunjubihari, always enjoying in the company of the gopis in the bushes of Vrindavan. Kunja means like in the bushes. Something, you know, go hide in the bushes and do something. That, so this is the love life of Krishna. Hmm? Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari, he says. So he is not only lover of Rani, Radha Rani, but Braja Janabalava. Now the, the song actually says Gopi Janabalava. Gopi Jana means the Gopi people. Gopi Jana. Hmm? And Balava. Balava means like husband, the lover. Hmm? of the gopis. Gopijana is a way of saying gopis. But gopijana can also mean the gopi people. In a broader sense, then, the people of Braj are all gopi people because they're all born from a gopi. Hmm? But Prabhupada speaks about it repeatedly here 
in his comments, and he changes the word from gopi to braja, braja jana balaba. So he's clearly, in this instance, interpreting the gopi jana in the broader sense, because when he puts the word braja jana, it's the people of braj, hmm? the braja jana. Gopi jana could also be the braja jana, the braja jana, or it could just mean the gopis particularly. And when you have balaba and gopis, then you tend to take the more refined madhurya explanation. Hmm? Gopi jana means gopis because gopi jana balaba, balaba means husband. So is he the husband of everybody in the braj? Or is he the husband of the gopis? Is he married to the cowards? Is he married to his mother and father? They're braja jana. They're not gopi jana. But in a broader sense, they're gopi jana. Hmm? And in a broader sense, balaba means also the maintainer. Hmm? So he's taken the word gopi jana balaba, and as we see here repeatedly, he, he renders it in his feeling about it, he's just kind of feelingly talking about it, the Brajajana Balaba. Hmm? So he's not only Radharani's lover, but Brajajana Balaba. The whole residents of Vrindavan, they love Krishna. Hmm? They do not know anything else. They do not know whether Krishna is God or not. Neither are they very much harassed. I shall love Krishna if he is God. He may not be God. He may be whatever it is. It doesn't matter. But we love Krishna. That's all. This is called unalloyed love. He said, they're not very much harassed by thinking whether he's God and I should serve him. He's calling the Vaikuntha mentality a, har a harassment. <laughs> there they think he's God, he should be served. He said, this is a I don't want to be harassed by that. I want to just serve him because I love him. I don't know, with no, with no calculation involved whatsoever. He may be whatever he is. I'm, this is Rag Bhakti. I'm just charmed by him, that's all. I, I'm carried by my taste for him, whatever. He is whatever he is. Hmm? He says, this is unalloyed love. I mean, this is Prem. Vrindavan hmm? Prem. If Krishna is God, then I shall love him. That is conditional love. That is not pure love. Krishna may be God or whatever he is, but by his wonderful acts, the Brajbasis, the Brajajana, they are all thinking, oh Krishna, he's a very wonderful child. Maybe he's some demigod. I don't know. Maybe he... Um, maybe some demigod, because people are generally under the impression that the demigods are all powerful. So this is a kind of a divine ignorance that this praying puts one in, hmm? and they're thinking Krishna's one of us, and maybe, maybe he's empowered by some god or goddess, but uh, he's just our friend, something like that. He said, Prabhupada goes on, they're powerful within this world, gods, that is. They don't know that Krishna is above them all. And now he's going from thinking of Krishna just as the Brajabhasis do to speaking about his godhood. Uh, he's above them all. Ishvara Parama Krishna, Satchitananda Vigraha. The highest demigod Brahma is giving his opinion in this verse. Krishna is the supreme. So, as the residents of Vrindavan, they love Krishna without any condition. Similarly, Krishna also loves them without any condition. Brajajana. Balaba, Giri Varadhari. Hmm? Yeah, now he said it, Brajajana Balaba, so he's transposing words here. So anyway, he's rendering it the same way. Brajajana Balaba, Giri Varadhari. When the inhabitants of Mardabhan were in danger because they stopped the Indra Yagya, and Indra became very angry. Then he sent a very great powerful cloud and rained over Vrindavan incessantly for seven days. So when the inhabitants became very much disturbed, Krishna, 
although he was only seven years old, saved them by lifting over on hill. hill. He taught Indra, the god of heaven, demigod, that stop your disturbance is the business of my little finger. Hmm? <laughs> How small you are, in other words, in comparison to me. Hmm? So, uh, Indra came down to his knees. These things you will find in Krishna book. There's a book Prabhupada authored about all these leelas. So, as the gopi Janabalaba, his only business is how to protect the gopi jana. You see, he's using gopi jana, not not with regard to Madhurya Rasa, but in a broader sense. Hmm? So, our Krishna conscious movement is how to become a gopi jana. Then Krishna will save us from any danger, even by lifting a hill or a mountain. Krishna is so kind and powerful. When Krishna lifted the hill, he did not practice some yoga system, and that is God. Hmm? Although he was a child, he was uh, he was playing like a child. He was dealing like a child. But when there was need, he was manifesting as God. That is Krishna. That is Krishna. Not that he is has to go and practice some yoga system to become powerful. He that he then he becomes God. No, hmm? he's not that type of God. Not a manufactured God. He is God. Hmm? So Gopi Janabalava Giriwaradhari, hmm? as a child and as a child. As the beloved child of Jashoda, Jashoda Nandana, Krishna likes to be a child of a devotee. Now he's talking about Vatsalya Rasa. He wants to be chastised from his devotee father and mother. Because everyone worships him, nobody goes to chastise him. So he takes pleasure when his devotee chastises him. That is Krishna's service. If Krishna takes pleasure in being chastised, so the responsibility is taken by a devotee. All right, I shall become your father and chastise you. When Krishna wants to fight, one of his devotees becomes Hiranyakasipu and fights with him. So all activities of Krishna are with his devotees. And he's Rasa Rasa. All of the Rasas with devotees. One of his devotees becomes, excuse me, therefore, to become associate of Krishna, to develop Krishna consciousness, Jashoda Nandana, Brajajana Balaba, Brajajana Ranjana, this is the only business. How to satisfy. As Brajajana's business is to satisfy Krishna, similarly, <coughs> Krishna's business is to satisfy the Brajajana. This is reciprocation of love. Jamuna Tira Vanachari. Krishna is the Supreme Godhead. He's wandering on the banks of the Jamuna to please the gopis, the cowherd boys, the birds, beasts, calves. They are not ordinary birds, beasts, calves, or men. They are on the top self-realization. Krita punya, punja. After many, many lives they got that opportunity to play with Krishna. So this last statement is very significant. He says, Krita punya, punja. Hmm? He obviously, he's talking about all the rasas of Vrindavan. You can attain, as you like, Nam Chintamani Chintamani Swarup. From the name you can get your position there. Hmm? But this Line he says, Krita Punja, Krita Punya, Punja. After many, many lives, they got that position to play with Krishna. Hmm? To play with Krishna means Sakiras and Krita Punya Punja. Well, let me conclude with this. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's from Bhagavatam, from the 12th canto, 12th chapter of the 10th chapter of the Bhagavatam. I say it's a famous verse. Because why? Because Prabhupada made it famous. Because Prabhupada chanted it many, many, many times. It ends, Krita Punya Punja. 
Hmm? It's a verse that's speaking about Krishna's coward, about Sakyarasa. Hmm? It's a verse that, that after Sukadeva describes the, 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 the nature of the experience of the cowherds with Krishna in Sakyarasa, he marvels at it. He makes a statement, this is mind-boggling, what is their position? And Prabhupada is citing it here. Hmm? So, ah, here it is. So let's go to the Bhagavatam and see where Prabhupada is concluding, ending his discussion of Jairada Madhava. He's ending it on the note of Sakyarasa. He's, this is the verse. It's several verses together, but they're all, they're all grouped together in, in one. All the boys would be differently engaged. Some cowherd boys blew their flutes, and others blew, blew bugles made from buffalo horns. Some imitated the buzzing of bumblebees. Others imitated the voice of the cuckoo. Some boys imitated flying birds by running after the birds' shadows on the ground. Some imitated the beautiful movements and attractive postures of the swans. Some sat down with the ducks, sitting silently, and others imitated the dancing of peacocks. Some boys attracted young monkeys in the trees. Some, some jumped into the trees, imitating the monkeys. Some made faces, as the monkeys were accustomed to do. Others jumped from one branch to another. Some boys went to the waterfalls and crossed over the river, jumping with frogs. And when they saw their own reflections in the water, they would laugh. They would also condemn the sounds of their own echoes. In this way, all the cowherd boys used to play with Krishna, who was the source of the Brahman effulgence for jnanis, who desire to emerge in that effulgence, who is the supreme personality of God of devotees, who have accepted servitorship, and for who ordinary persons is but another child. The cowherd boys, having accumulated the results of millions and millions of transcendentally pious activities, for many, many lives, were able to associate with Krishna in Sakyarasa in this way. How can one explain their great fortune? Krita punya punja. <laughs> so this gives us some insight into what Prabhupada was thinking about, absorbed in when he chanted Jai Radha Madhava. Jai Radha Madhava. Jai Srila Prabhupada Ki.